Well, first of all, like um, MKH, it was just a relief to see a film that's made with so much love and care after the monotony of the trailer for Top Gun. At least, you know, there's a director who actually understands and loves cinema and composition, some production design and colors and fun and excitement. So it looks great. It also looks very, very Wes Anderson. It's like the ultimate Wes Anderson film. Hello and welcome to Geek's Web, the show for news, reviews, interviews, and of course the presenters that bring you everything you know to know, which is geeky and filmy and TV around 2020 and 21. Today we are doing trailer talk and my co-hosts include MPH. Hey, thanks for having me. And King Dom. Hello. How you doing, guys? Thanks for coming back into this session with me. Um, are you guys uh, impressed by the amount of films that have tried to seep out into the cinemas in the last year? Um, no. I, I think um, the pandemic showed that it was taking no prisoners. Yeah. So, like you said, your... Um, your favorite director with the messiah complex couldn't save the film industry with yeah. tenant alone yeah. um he needed to find a vaccine as opposed to bad audio for his film <laughs> yeah i think the interesting thing about um uh, speaking about nolan in his films i think he needs a memory wipe for people to forget half of 2020 so he can make out like tenant came out in march just after bad voice um <laughs> King Dom, um, were you impressed or disappointed by the kind of, um, I don't know, is it the bottleneck or probably like the traffic flow of films coming into the cinemas at the moment? Um, I'm not surprised. I am a little disappointed, but after Tenet underperformed by, and we should qualify that by saying it still made many millions of dollars, but it underperformed by the standards of a Christopher Nolan blockbuster and it underperformed by what was needed to get other films to follow suit and go back in the cinema. So after Tenet underperformed, it was inevitable that other Mm. films were going to be shelved again, like the James Bond film, or they were going to be put out on digital like Mulan. And Mm. I'm not saying Mulan is necessarily a film I was personally looking forward to too much, but it is like a tentpole movie that would have got people back in cinemas. Yeah. So it's disappointing, but inevitable. I mean, the films that were released this year, which I saw in the cinema, included Cats and Dogs 3. So we're really talking about the barrel scrapings that made it to the cinema. I didn't even know there was a Cats and Dogs 2, to be honest. But I think think the, the last year has been a strange uh, concoction of slightly new releases, indie filmmakers having a punt with when there's no other films at the cinema and some old films being re-released. So we've been... I've just looked... So Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to say, I, I've looked at like the budget and box office for Tenant. It, I don't even think it broke even. So that must have been a massive punch to the ego of um, Mr. Nolan there. Not that I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that, um, but um, yeah, I just wanted to make that note. Yeah, I mean, I think with, um, I would be surprised if Tenet um, has an extended run at the cinema, unless it, he's on some kind of massive discount uh, to keep his film in the cinema. So 
I'm I'm I, I'm hoping it's it's going to be like a really good film because I haven't seen it, but I have got high hopes. For it. But um, we're going to take a risk, and we're going to yep. try and predict again, as we always do, what films are worth watching, and whether it's a cinema or an online release, um, or giving it a miss again with three new films. So um, we are going to be saying. Um, a, a, a hello to an old friend from the Air Pilot Academy in Top Gun. We are going to be looking at something newsworthy with Tom Hanks in News of the World. And we are also going to be looking at a new Wes Anderson directorial called The French Dispatch. So, uh, guys, which uh, trailer do you want to take a look at first? Well, I think MKH, you were looking forward to a bit of Tom Cruise, weren't you? Which bit indeed? Uh, <laughs> um, yes, you, you, you guys read my mind. <laughs> 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 let's let's get into some Tommy Cruise. Okay, so let's get wrap our eyes around Top Gun Maverick. I'll see you guys in a moment. Thirty-plus years of service. Combat medals. Citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Yet you can't get a promotion. You won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. You should be at least a two-star admiral by now. Yet here you are. Captain. What is that? It's one of life's mysteries, sir. inevitable maverick you kind of set it for extinction maybe so sir but not today okay so that was top gun maverick the 2020 trailer for the film that is going for a 2021 release. How do you feel about that one, guys? That wasn't the most revealing trailer, was it? I can't say that is the most helpful or striking trailer I've ever seen. 
it was very scanty on anything we could expect from the film. Yeah, I, I think the, the longest Super Bowl trailer was like six minutes long, so it would have been uh, a bit of a wild one. But um, do you feel the world is ready for a return of the Maverick? I'm not sure it's something people are clamouring for exactly, but it's something that will always find an audience. And let's not forget that um, Top Gun is a popular film, not just with um, mainstream cinema audiences, but also filmmakers and creatives as well. Um, We interviewed a cinematographer for The Geek Show who cited Top Gun as one of his favourite films visually and said if he had a chance to work on the Top Gun sequel, he'd be up for it. And um, the original Top Gun, which was directed by the late Tony Scott, is a very competent, great even example of that flashy 80s style that I think some people maybe feel nostalgic for. So it will definitely have an audience. I don't know if it's a big cultural moment right now, but it's definitely something that lots of people will want to see for various reasons. I think what we're seeing here seems to be like... um a Top Gun, almost like a slacker Tom Cruise, like the way they go on the main character played by, or a character played by Ed Harris, goes on about him not moving on. So it feels like there's an element of Top Gun kind of belongs to Americana history and not specifically Tom Cruise. Uh, what would you say about that, Um, I... I, yeah, I find it quite weird that he didn't move up but i guess he has to he has to stay around the men somehow um <laughs> <instead of laughs> shoulders with, with with the dudes um i you know what i i don't i and forgive me for my ignorance i didn't actually watch the original top okay. gun but from what i understand is that the guy was quite a um well his name's maverick isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so he, he was a quite a fly-by-night like by all accounts he should have been a pilot yeah. because of his lifestyle and things like that yeah. and it's a shame to see that he hadn't actually grown up yeah. since the 80s maybe they should have like just discharged him maybe he was he sounds like too much of a maverick. of a, a loose cannon to be flying around planes and also was tom cruise really flying those planes so it looks like he was actually flying those planes for actually, real. there's two things i, w- I want to get into about that um for somebody who hasn't um come up with the uh top, the top gun mythology i think the issue about top gun was it was ballsy it was bravado and it was ultra macho and it was massively men in planes which had its own kind of action film genre. But the thing is, I think a few years after Top Gun came out, and um, I think Highway to the Danger Zone was a song that got played uh, by Kenny Loggins. And I think a couple of years after it, it, it came out, people reflected on it again. And because of the shower scenes, uh, the half-naked beach ball, it was a volleyball tournament, I think, in the sand, with big muscular men oiled up people started to notice the and, and the camaraderie between Maverick and a couple of the other male characters. I think a lot of people started to look at the homoerotic undertones of the film. So Top Gun kind of began to represent something else. I'm not sure if they're going to establish anything with characters of different gender this time around. But certainly... Top Gun had its limitations in terms of CGI and special effects, even though they had probably the top-level stuff in the 80s. I think now they can make it look like top, 
Tom Cruise is flying a plane and doing a lot more than he was the first time around. So I think the technological and the sociological doorways are wider now for this film. I don't know, because Tom Cruise is a guy that actually flew the helicopter in um, the, the latest Mission Impossible. Oh, that's true, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, so I don't know. That's why I was. it looked like he was really flying that plane. Um, it could be a simulation, but, but then again, it, I, I don't know how those planes work. But if it's Tom Cruise, I mean, I, I think he shut down. Don't forget, he's the guy who shut down Trafalgar Square in central London so we can have, yeah, to have a helicopter land so yeah I, I really do so if if um like obviously all jokes about the homoeroticism aside if he has actually flown that plane I, I respect him greatly for that but I still don't think this is a film people are clamoring yeah. for because as we've seen um all these drone strikes and things like that in the Middle East mm. um doesn't make for uh great patriotism yeah. and also america's not fighting another war yeah. at, at this point in time so why do they need a pro army um film to be released i think mkh makes a good point there um the first film was very patriotic to the extent that the u.s navy latched onto it and had recruitment booths outside the cinema to sign <laughs> people up it yeah. just seen top gun we're in a completely different climate now yeah. There's a lot more scepticism about the military after various fallen policy misadventures. And who knows whether the film will take that on board overtly or maybe tacitly or whether they'll try to ignore that. Who knows? Let me quickly read the synopsis. It says, Pete Maverick Mitchell keeps pushing the envelope after years of service. As one of the Navy's top aviators, he must soon confront the past while training a new squad of graduates for a dangerous mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice. So not only are we going to see the return of Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer, but it looks like there's going to be a handing of a torch to Miles Teller, who will be playing uh, Bradley Shaw, which is probably as Tom Cruise liked as you can get for um, a new character. Oh my goodness. Is there a more punchable face than Miles Teller? I think what we're, what we're dealing with here is an Indiana Jones 4 situation where they tried to pass the torch and everyone decided that they actually didn't want the torch to be passed to Shia LaBeouf. And they took out their massive hose and put out the torch themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it, <laughs> no torches will be handed and, here. And, and the way that they've put Miles Teller's character into Top Gun folklore is he's going to be playing Lieutenant Bradley Rooster, that's his code name, Bradshaw, who's actually going to be the son of Maverick's late partner, in the air, um, Nick Goose Bradshaw. So it's obviously going to be some father-son conversation moments going on there. Yeah, probably topless in the bunks. It's kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> you just put me off the film even more now. <laughs> the film's got a $152 million budget as well. So, um, I mean, I don't know why I threw that in there, but is this a film that we should risk our lives to go to the cinema for? wait for it to come out online or just give it a miss because we've probably seen too much already. I'm going to give it a miss. Okay. Yeah. I won't be seeing it in the cinema. I might see it if it flops onto Netflix at some point. Flop being the give it a few minutes. Um, for me, myself, I'm not, I'm not, I've seen a lot of Tom Cruise films and Top Gun isn't the one that 
sets my heart racing sort of thing. I think I've got more of an affinity to things like risky business and um, perhaps um, I'm trying to think of some of the stuff. Cocktail. Yeah, cocktail as well. That's another one. Yeah. So I, I think Definitely. maybe this kind of military industrial complex film is not quite for me. So I, I'll give it a miss because I'm just not sure if I want to see him in the air in the aeroplane. I don't find it as fascinating. And we've got Mission Impossible now for that. So Yeah, you've heard it here first. Keep the homoeroticism <laughs> quite overt, okay, Tom Cruise. <laughs> and it's match macho disguise in it. Um, actually what I will say, I, I, I recently just stumbled upon um Tom Cruise and Jack Reacher. Okay. That is actually quite they're quite good films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it didn't get much hype, but I was like, oh my goodness, this is actually quite good. Him doing the sort of the love child of Sherlock Holmes and 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 John Watson. Yeah, and there, there was a bit um, of a, a, a pushback on him being Jack Reach as well because I think the original Jack Reach is supposed to be about six foot six or six foot seven, and people were saying that he didn't have quite the stature. But I think he's definitely turned that into a, uh, a reputable franchise as well. No, it's nice, pretty good. Um, I liked okay. it. Okay, so um, so I think for the three of us, that aggregates as a give it a miss. So we're sorry, Tom and the American. Uh, uh, what what do they call them? Uh, uh, the American pilots, naval, not naval. Uh, the American flight industry, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we apologise to the American whole Airways industry. And uh, American Airways, we hate yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take Delta, American Airlines. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it looks like Top Gun Maverick is a give it a miss. That's our uh, voting for that one. So um, we're going on to our next one. Um, so Dom, uh, I'll I'll leave it to you to choose which of the two left you want to go for. Well, I feel like. After all the machismo of Top Gun, maybe we should have a um, French dispatch. Okay, cool, cool. The, the, that's our Foreign Legion exit. So um, the French dispatch is next year's film and the next project by the director, Wes Anderson, who's quite famous for making the fantastic Mr. Fox. So over to our trailer view right now. It began as a holiday. Eager to escape a bright future on the Great Plains, Arthur Howitzer Jr. transformed the series of travelogue columns into the French Dispatch, a factual weekly report on the subjects of world politics, the arts, high and low, and diverse stories of human interest. You don't think it's almost too seedy this time? No, I don't. For decent people. It's supposed to be charming. He assembled a team of the best expatriate journalists of his time. Berenson, Sazerac, Kremens, Roebuck Wright. These were his people. Just try to make it sound like you wrote it that way on purpose. We take as the subject of tonight's lecture, Mr. Moses Rosenthal. Certainly the loudest artistic voice of his rowdy generation. Simone Naked Cell Block J Hobby Room. I want to buy it. It's not for sale. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes. In short, the picture was a sensation. The kids did this. Obliterated a thousand years of Republican authority in less than a fortnight. What do they want? Freedom, full stop. I'm naked, Mrs. Kremens. I can see that. Lieutenant Nescafier, 
He is the great exemplar of the mode of cuisine known as police cooking. The aromas of the kitchen cast a spell, which was to be mortally broken. As you know by now, we have kidnapped your son. Foreman, one hour to press. You're fired. Really? Don't cry in my office. Um, what are your thoughts on the French Dispatch? Um, initial thoughts. I had no idea what was going on, but I liked it because it was not just an arty film; it was an arty arty film, and. That type of stuff intrigues me. There's a bit of comedy in it. There's a lot of uh, thought put into the, uh, the the set design, the music they're using, the lighting, every technique that a great film director was taught was possibly employed in this film. Also, I was a bit skeptical about the diversity of the cast, but whatever i think um that can be put to the side because of it looks like they've put a lot of effort into this uh film also i'm pleasantly surprised that they weren't speaking french i was thinking oh i'm gonna have to read subtitles but yeah it was english so that's nice okay well i'm glad that title didn't mislead you um the quick uh synopsis is the french dispatch brings to life a collection of stories from the final issue of an american magazine published in a fictional 20th century French city and uh, some are saying that the film is a love letter to journalists set at an outpost of an American newspaper and it's centering on three different storylines but this feels like something that has not only brought the Wes Anderson family scene of filmmakers to get back together again it seems uh, but it seems like a film that Wes Anderson has been graduating towards so um King Dom, what do you feel about what you've just seen in that trailer? Well, first of all, like um, MKH, it was just a relief to see a film that's made with so much love and care after the monotony of the trailer for Top Gun. Mm. At least, you know, there's a director who actually understands and loves cinema and compositions and production design and colours and fun and excitement. So it looks great. It also looks very, very Wes Anderson. It's like the ultimate Wes Anderson film. If you didn't know that was Wes Anderson, you would instantly recognize his compositional style and um, the actors from his unofficial stock company popping up. So it does look like almost the ultimate Wes Anderson film. Yeah, I mean, this is a platform for Bill Murray to kind of do his thing and obviously make sense in the world of uh, Bill Murray characters. But I've also got uh, Tilda Swinton, Adrian Brody and Francis. They've all been in his films previously. Exactly. So long-term collaborators. And obviously, uh, this is a story actually co-written by Wes Anderson, Roman Coppola and Jason Schwartzman. So um, 
Hugo Guinness as well. Yeah, Hugo Guinness as well. So, um, MK, do you like the Wes Anderson formula for films where he likes to place his camera on a tripod, give it a four by three view with the um, the depth of field and encounters in front of the camera? I mean, what do you think of the Wes Anderson formula for films? Um. Uh, in honest truth, I haven't seen a lot of Wes Anderson uh, films. I probably watched about 15 minutes of Fantastic Mr. Fox. I, I beca- Only because when it comes to uh, stop motion animation, I'm, I'm more of a Wallace and Gromit fan. But going by this film, I, I, I love it. Like I might have to go back and look at his whole catalogue. Um, yeah, catalog let, let me tell you a couple uh, of films that he's done, just to jog your memory. He did another stop-motion film called Isle of Dogs. He has done the Grand Budapest Hotel with Ray Fiennes, Moonrise Kingdom with Bruce Willis and Edward Norton, and the Darjeeling Limited, which had uh, Jason Schwartzman and Owen Wilson, I think Luke Wilson as well. So did, did those films ring any bells? They ring bells, but I didn't go and watch those bells ring. <laughs> um, what I was going to say... Um... <laughs> I like the colour in this film as well. It reminded me of uh, the bold colours used in Knives Out. Also, I'm quite shocked that this film was set against a budget of 25 million. I thought they put a lot more money into it. Like, this is a very fiscally responsible director as well. I think that's something we can all get behind at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think what what you've got with a Wes Anderson film is is film sets. Uh, And I think... The way he films, it appears that he's got locked shots. So there might be an idea of like the certain sets he uses and reuses from scene to scene. Like you saw in the Grand Budapest Hotel, there's like hotel set pieces in the foyer and the room. Uh, there's a couple of train set pieces uh, in the carriages. And there's a couple of, um, uh, I think there's some prison set pieces as well. So essentially, he seems to be doing a lot of internal shots a lot of the time which seem to be like walk-on stage parts it's, all, it's almost very theatrical in that sense or of the theater let's say and when you look at a film's budget does, does that doesn't include the salary of the actors does it um usually the film's budget includes the salary and even the distribution of it as well so the market that is budget, nuts yeah it is nuts. that is it's an ensemble cast, and he did all of that with like even if he does use the same set yeah. for different locations, that's still like twenty five million. That's that's flipping fantastic. Yeah, like, this guy to do more. Like, I mean, I can only imagine that he's got like some massive warehouse studio, and there's probably a platform that's kind of rotating with different stages. So he's probably just getting he's probably doing a lot of block shooting. That's probably that might be what's brought his budget down and what it looks like a long story. Maybe he's got like a lot of them on for one day or two days, but obviously these are long-term collaborators. So they might have had um, a relationship with Wes Anderson to do him a favor. And I think looking at the timeline with Jeffrey Wright, it looks like he would have just been stepping out of um, uh, Westworld. So he, he probably made himself available for a day or two after that project. I I I I like this film. I'm gonna see it. If if I can see it in cinema, I'm gonna see it in cinema. Yeah. King Dom, what's your verdict on it? I agree with MKH. Um it looks great and I'm gonna see it in the cinema if I can, or failing that on the biggest TV I can get. 
Okay. I mean, I'm looking at it. I'm always excited for a Wes Anderson project because I always think he tries to tell a story in a kind of a neo-European uh, style uh, or a neo-artsy style. And um, I think it's got colourful and uplifting set decoration and cast. And I think using that kind of fictional city to kind of tell his story, it feels like there's going to be a lot of creativity in what he's going to do, even if they're going to be doing it. So, yeah, I definitely want to see this at So I think that's three yes upvotes. Uh, watch this on the biggest screen that you can in 2021 for the French Dispatch. And now uh, we are on for our third and final film. Uh, this is not a newspaper, but it's a new story called News of the World featuring Tom Hanks. So, guys, if you'd like to put your trailer visors on, I'll see you on the other side of this. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, and I'm here tonight to read the news from across this great world of ours. So they pay you to tell stories. I ain't never heard of that as a thing a man can do. Well, it's not a rich man's occupation, as you can see. Hey! Stop! Stop! I'm not gonna hurt you! Do you understand English? Dolly, I call that, uh... Friend. It says your name is Joanna Leonberger. Indians took you when they attacked your family six years prior. The mother, father, and sister were. Well, they passed. She's got family down in Castroville. Captain, why are you doing this? She needs to laugh and dream. She needs new memories. Roads closed. Is that the law? It is now. Captain, you, Johanna. I do not have a clue as to the care of a child. It's a photograph. That's my wife. You can certainly handle a horse. That there's a horse. Horse. Captain. Captain. Make no mistake. Captain. Word is she's that captive out of Wichita Falls. What do you want? How much you want for her? This child is not for sale. So she thinks she's an Indian now. She's something in between. Ladies and gentlemen, these are stories of men and women very much like you. Waiting for better days to come. And I'm taking her home! That was the trailer for News of the World. It's uh, five years after the end of the Civil War. Captain Jefferson K. 
Kyle Kidd, played by Tom Hanks, is a widower and veteran of three wars. He moves from town to town as a non-fiction storyteller, sharing the news of presidents, queens, glorious feuds, and devastating catastrophes. And in the plains of Texas, he crosses the path with Joanna, the 10-year-old taken in by the Kiowa people six years earlier and raises one of her own. Joanna is a hostile uh, to the world and she's never that she's never experienced and is being returned to her biological aunt, uncle against her will. So what do, what do you think of that uh, film, King Dom? Um, Mixed feelings. It looks very spectacular and epic, but at the same time, the storyline seemed to be following a very generic path. And, okay, you know that's the weakness of this whole format. It's trailer talk, and trailers tend to hit the beats. But this looked like a very rote film, and the roteness of the film and some sentimentality that seemed to be there seemed to be at odds with what could be an epic, important film. Mm. I mean, what do you think about the idea that uh, Paul Greengrass is collaborating with uh, Tom Hanks again? Uh, they previously worked together on Captain Phillips. They obviously work well together. I must say, if I didn't know the director was Paul Greengrass, I would never have guessed from the trailer. If yeah. you think about the Paul Greengrass style from Bourne or even his great non-fiction film, United... Nin I mean, it is fiction, it's fictionalised, but it's a yeah. dramatisation, sure. United 93. What we associate with him is the handheld camera, the very rapid cutting and a very like kinetic style and this didn't have any of his usual style and also it looked worryingly sentimental in places which is something i never associate with paul greengrass okay. so it doesn't look characteristic to his usual style of filmmaking even if it's a bit more epic and probably higher budget so i'm a little bit worried about that okay. um, tom hanks looks professional as always mm -hmm. MKH, uh, what, what's your experience of the trailer that you just saw? What, what are your thoughts about? Uh, my, my heart did uh, drop a couple of times. I thought, oh my goodness, is, is, is Tom Hanks going in his Wilson bit again? And then I thought, oh my goodness, is this an anti-Native uh, American film? Because obviously the, <laughs> the Native Americans killed him. Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness, what type of messaging is being sent out in this film? And then it went into the, the stereotypical, okay, man with possibly a broken soul gets it back by taking care of a tiny human, but they can't communicate through a common language, but they communicate through the art of shared experience and love and all that type of crap. Do you and, think the um, performance will be better than the volleyball? <laughs> I hope so, but then again, she 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 she's speaking less English words than the volleyball. So <laughs> you don't know because I, I just read up this this uh, little girl is uh, is a German girl. She was born in Berlin, and uh, they say this is introducing Helena uh, uh, Zengel Zengel Zengel, but um, she's been in lots of German films before this. It, they're saying they're introducing her to the English market, basically. And um, I, I don't, I, I, it like Dom has already said, they spent a great budget on this and it doesn't actually say the budget. I can't find the budget on there. Um, and I don't know if that's enough for me. Um, again, Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks in doing his same on <laughs> like emotional depth and things like that. And <laughs> basically like 
acting the hell like Tom Hanks has got to the point where he acts for everyone else on screen, no matter how little words they 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 they're given in the script. He just acts for everyone, yeah. and I don't know whether that's enough for me to go and see. Uh, <laughs> I love how you like reduced the concept of emotional depth in acting to kind of grunt. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> I mean, it works. <laughs> it works. Remember, remember when the thing is, I know exactly what you mean. And you remember in Captain Phillips where the Somalian guy says, I'm the captain now. And Tom Hanks says, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you are the captain now. <laughs> yeah, that's all Tom Hanks needs to do. <laughs> so I, I feel that this film, for me, when I looked at it, it reminded me for some reason of True Grit. Not the old version of John Wayne, but the new one with um, uh, Jeff Bridges. In terms, yeah, of I get that. Old man, old uh, disgruntled, curmudgeonly male uh, teaming up with young girl on a trip across the wild terrain of America. Um, the it seems like there might be an interesting side story with the whole uh, premise that he's a person who reads literally reads world events to random people uh, for money uh, across the uh, United States. But it does feel a bit hokey sentimental that he has Mm. to play this kind of adopted father who's going to protect, literally protect a young girl against the elements, even though she was probably quite happy being brought up by the Kiowa people um, originally, but um, I think there might be this idea of understanding uh, culture or the way uh, culture used to be in America and civilization as well. That might be one of the sentimental premises that's on the table. Also, what type of messaging are they trying to send by having a blonde hair, blue eyed little pale girl? Is that Is to make us other... more emotionally attached to her? Is there any other? type of woman or young girl that's worth rescuing from the that's what I'm saying. of America. What are they trying to do? So I just read Netflix has the international distribution rights for this. So okay. um yeah it's not it's not actually coming out in cinema. I thought it was coming out in cinema. Okay. Uh, I was I was mistaken. Netflix doing big things as usual. Yeah. And um they might have bought the rights for it because maybe they don't have uh confidence that this can make a cinema release. Yeah no it, internationally um so outside of the United States, yeah. Netflix has it. I think in the United States, I think they're going to try and push it into the cinema. So or Universal Pictures must have their own streaming platform over there. Yeah. But in China, also, also, it's going to be streamed digitally. This was um, due out on. Uh, this was due out for Christmas, as the trailer indicated. Yeah, so yeah, it, it'll be out by, before the end of the year. Uh, it's a nice little Christmas movie while you're isolating by yourself, or quarantined by yourself, or locked down by yourself. Yeah. So like watch something that will make you want to definitely jump out of your window maybe i don't know <laughs> um yeah i yeah every every got to the voting part yet yeah okay <laughs> i feel like we should yeah so, <laughs> you out of your misery yeah Tom, what what's your opinion on this film is it worth a look at cinema on a big screen wait to come down um, the line or give it a well, apparently we won't get the chance to see it in the cinema, according to MKH. I'm not too disappointed about that. I don't think I would have risked my life to see it at the present time. Mm. If it's 
going to drop on Netflix. I might give it a look. It might exceed my expectations from that trailer, although I am very worried by the sentimentality that seems yeah. to be there. So I'll probably watch it on Netflix, but without high expectations. Yeah. Um, M- MK, actually, I'll, I'll step in before MKH gives this final word. For me, this looks like a Christmas film that's only worth watching at or around Christmas. Almost a bit like um, uh, James Stewart's uh, It's a Wonderful Life. So I am not going to go out of my way to watch this on a big screen. And I think even if it comes out online, I, I don't think I think it's going to be like a background um, thing. It'll take me a lot of limited options to come to watch it. So I'm going to give this one. Actually, following on from what Dom said about the sentimentality, that doesn't really bother me. I don't need to see a little girl being shot by an arrow to be um, <laughs> to be invested in this film. Um, but I will say, I don't need another cowboy film. I, for me, cowboy the cowboy genre was was firmly executed after Django. At the end of Django, when he blew up that massive plantation house, that's when all cowboy western era set films died for me so i'm not gonna go and see this on any streaming platform i don't care you'd have to torture me you you could even pay me to watch this film it would have to be get you kidnapped by tom hanks to watch yeah under duress well the somalian pirates from captain phillips would have to like raid my house and strap me down to watch this film not i'm not i'm not doing it i'm sorry okay so that looks like a free give it a missus for this uh, feature film, News of the World. Uh, apologies to Paul Greengrass. We know you've done some exceptional work in the past, but it looks like we really want you to go back to your action-led movies uh, and handheld uh, footage again. So that was the end of Trailer Talk, where we're saying give uh, Top Gun Maverick this. Go out of your way to try and see the French dispatch and also put uh, news of the world firmly in the recycling bin for another day. Uh, so thanks to our trailer talk uh, speakers and tweakers and viewers, MKH. Thank you. <laughs> and King Dom. Thank you. And I've been your co-host uh, TJ. Uh, thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Geeksweat, uh, you can find us on many social media platforms and try and search for GWKSWEAT where we're available on Instagram, Facebook, and Castbox FM. So take care for now. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.